Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Good Fight Podcast, where we are informing and empowering truth seekers like you to take their place in the good fight. This is season two, episode 26, and we are talking about, uh, is it 1935 for the American church and for America in general or not? So uh, I think we'd all agree that different circumstances call for different outlooks on life and different uh, actions and reactions to the various circumstances of life. If my neighbor's house is on fire, I'm going to go over and try to warn them that that's the case. And I'm going to try to do everything I can to save them from the the life-threatening aspects of that fire. But if there are leaves in his yard or a sprinkler's malfunctioning, I'll probably be much slower to point it out and more likely just to kind of figure it's his business and and uh, let them take care of it. So what's it like for us now in the in the US? Um you know, if it's how it's been for the last 150 or so years, we could say, uh oh, there's just another swing of the pendulum. If we just hang in there and not get too too uptight about things, not sweat it too much, it'll kind of swing back the other way and everything'll be okay. But we need to ask ourselves that, uh, you know, is is our presence in the world and the, the tremendous freedoms and privileges we've enjoyed as Americans, is that a, a given? Uh, is that something that's always been here and always will be here? Well, it certainly hasn't always been here. Uh, and uh, it certainly is arguable that it's not always going to be here or doesn't have to. And it doesn't really matter um Anyway, though, for for us as as uh, as as people, how much does it really matter what government system we're under? And as Christians, we know that uh, the gospel flourished in very difficult circumstances, and the light is going to shine uh, more brightly the darker it gets. And so, does it really matter anyway? So, this week's episode, we're going to focus on and why we believe it does matter, and it matters a lot, and what we can try to do to fix it. So, uh, while the focus of today is is a lot to appeals to Christians and Christian believers and Christian pastors. It certainly spins out uh, and adapts to all Americans and non-Americans, people around the world, whether they're religious or non-religious, all ethnicities and cultural backgrounds. Um, anybody that is going to hold up the idea of ordered liberty under law, it should matter to us a lot. So our big question today uh, is uh, exactly what uh, what kind of what year is it, quote unquote. And we're going to take our, our cue from, uh, from the 1930s in, uh, in Nazi Germany. And I don't take uh, that comparison lightly. I know we hear a lot of references to that, but I think there's some interesting things that we can consider um, uh, from uh, a, a famous uh, Christian writer who is, uh, is, is writing about this again. And uh, from another, maybe a not so um, a familiar voice, uh, uh, an atheist who's even kind of putting together some of these dots and and are, is encouraging Christians and Christian pastors to uh, speak out about some stuff. So uh, we come back after the break. We'll uh, explain it a little bit and then uh, go on from there. I'm flying solo today, as you probably realize. Denver had some internet uh, issues and problems, so uh, I'm, I certainly miss him. But we'll try to get through and get the content across as, as best as possible and get you as quickly as possible to those resources that uh, we want to point you to very importantly. Be right back.
I'm back, and we're talking about uh, whether it's 1935 or like 1935 right now for us uh, in America, in a sense, or not. So uh, let me explain what I'm talking about in terms of that. So back in the 1930s, uh, the German church and German people uh, faced a situation where changes in their uh, government and uh, political things were going on. Uh, that meant very foundational and, uh, if we can say, fundamental uh, transformations of their of their country and their culture and their their government. So this was going on and uh, uh, behind the scenes, and so the uh, uh, the German people and it fell on the German church a lot and German pastors to consider uh, what was happening here. So as we all know, what was happening is that. Uh, Adolf Hitler, through some uh, shrewd political uh, maneuverings and uh, out-and-out uh, deception of the people and what the uh, intent and goals were of taking advantage of the stability of their of their government uh, in the past and their government systems and the and the trust that they'd had in their government, uh, being given uh, virtually dictatorial powers. Uh, because of a perceived crisis, and we have to be very careful about uh, when things are called crises and the idea of giving up our freedoms for our safety and how do we really handle that. But um, uh, the, the German people really faced a, a case where some, there were some people that really realized this for uh, for what it was. And we have the, the privilege of being able to look back in hindsight and see how different people reacted to this thing that objectively really was a big problem and resulted in horrific, awful, evil things uh, that basically happened under the nose with the of the German people with their uh, their their tacit approval or uh, just again under their nose, but they didn't realize until it was too late what the end result of that were was. So. Um, we can kind of compare that. So if there is a situation or if there were ever a situation in America like this, where unbeknownst to a lot of us, the same types or similar types of things are are going on, uh, and it is early enough in that process to have something to do with it or try to call it out, should we do that? So we have to discover, well, whether the, the threat is really anything similar. And uh, then if so, uh, what to do about that. So I, I picked, is it 1935? I started out saying, is, is it 1939? But for, if you look at the history in 1935, things were, the, the train was really starting to roll, but there still could have been something happen uh, where it, it might've been turned back or, or minimized. By 1939, it was too late. So I hope and pray that uh, if uh, we can make the case that there is a similar situation in America, it's more like a 1935 instead of a 1939. Uh, but just wanting to point out that uh, if this is happening, it's happening right under our nose. And uh, many people have said throughout the years that, that uh, if America is going to fall, it's going to have to fall from within. And uh, I like this quote, uh, just like just it'll have to fall, just like it did from Germany within these uh, Hitler was voted into office. These powers were given to him by the uh, by the, the legislature at the time. And he just took it and ran with it and uh, had the uh, evil intent all along. Uh, 
So uh, Abraham Lincoln uh, has a quote about that, and it's been paraphrased in different places. I went to the original source. It's from a speech he made in uh, 1838 called the Lyceum Speech. But uh, listen to how he uh, summarizes this and take this as a warning for us as Americans. At what point, then, is the approach of danger to be expected? I answer, if it ever reaches us, it must spring up amongst us. It cannot come from abroad. If destruction be our lot, we must ourselves be its author and finisher. As a nation of freemen, we must live through all time or die by suicide. So again, at the end of that, as a nation of freemen, free people, we must live through all time or die by suicide. So the, the thesis of our broadcast today or our podcast is in trying to identify uh, if this is the kind of a thing, if, if um, we as, as a people and a nation, as, as in terms of the fundamentals of our system, are being threatened to the extent that it could be dying and dying by suicide. So with that in mind, I want to point to, uh, to one speaker and author. His name is James Lindsay. Uh, I've referred to him before. He wrote a book that I've read that was very interesting about uh, critical theory. And so uh, basically the theory that we're making, and both of our people we're talking about uh, today that we're featuring, James Lindsay and later on Eric Metaxas, are really trying to sound the same alarm um, from from arguably different perspectives or different uh, uh, religious backgrounds. But James Lindsay wrote this book, book called Cynical Theories. And where he identifies, and what I, I think that we can identify is the is the real enemy right now. And it, it's not people, it's ideas. And it's people that are espousing these ideas and how they've kind of taken over the major institutions of our society. But how critical theory uh, is, is basically antithetical to truth. Uh, it takes uh, situations that are real, like in the Marxism began in, in London with the uh, uh, the, the labor situation and uh, rich people oppressing poorer people. Um, uh, but then critical theory takes that up uh, a, a notch and, and applies it to lots of different areas of life. We hear a lot, a lot about critical race theory, uh, but then there's queer theory, there's gender theory, there's fat theory, there's ableism theory. And, and it's basically the same thing, that there's a, a, a minority of people that's, that is being oppressed by a majority of people or a majority opinion. Uh, it creates a, uh, a group of victims and a group of victimizers. It's, it's divisive instead of uniting. And so uh, that is really what we need to point out as the real enemy and try to identify that. So uh, James Lindsay in a couple of different places um, uh, talks about the uh, kind of insidious and how, how religious a, um, a, a, a theory, an idea, critical theory is. Uh, he links it back to, to, to Gnosticism of uh, uh, back uh, in the early um, uh, time a, a, after Christ and the, the Gnostics coming in and thinking, oh, we, we, we know better because we're so smart. And, and basically questioning uh, basic truths. So a couple of things James Lindsay has said is that, uh, and this is applied to critical race theory, but we can apply it to anything. The critical uh, race theory is calling everything you want to control racist until it's fully under your control. 
and I, and I like that. Again, it's calling everything you want to control racist until it's fully under your control. If you want to talk about uh, uh, queer theory, call everything homophobic until it's fully under your control or transphobic or, uh, or Islamophobic or, or anything. It's, it's basically creating uh, uh, division and getting away from looking for absolute truth and saying that there really isn't anything uh, as such as absolute truth. So I think he's doing a good job of trying to point that out. And even James Lindsay is calling upon Christian pastors, as some Christian churches and Christian denominations are are are, are seeking to try to to, to harmonize critical uh, race theory along with the the gospel. And they've said under the subordination of scripture. And here's another paraphrase of something he said uh, as the Southern Baptists have kind of struggled with this. And that, you know, James Lindsay said, if, if, if you know, I call upon something like that, I'm paraphrasing, but I, I call upon Christian pastors uh, and Christian denominational leaders to resist the embracing of critical race theory, even if it is under the subordination of scripture. Because his observation is that once you do that, then it won't be long before scripture is subordinated to it. And so uh, it is um, a, very much an, a, a factor there. I want to come back and talk a little bit more about our other author, um, uh, Eric Metaxas, and point you to some resources uh, that hopefully will, will help you think about that. So once again, we think about the, the real enemy is the idea of critical theory and how bankrupt it is and how we have to uh, come against that and figure out a better way to address some of the real issues, but also push back on how critical theory has so infiltrated so many areas of our society. We'll be right back. Okay, and we are back. And if you can't tell, this is Denver, not Brian. <laughs> so I'm, I'm coming in to, to give you a little break from Brian, as I like to say. <laughs> um, and so t to start off, uh, I'm going to start off by beating a dead horse. However, actually, I, I don't think the horse is dead. Uh, and, and that is the midterms. Uh, we need to talk about the midterms. Um, and yeah, we've been talking about this probably every week, but we are trying to do our best to stay consistent in what we're uh, trying to put out there, and that is we need to sprint towards the midterms. And it, it takes talking about the midterms every week um, to achieve what we're wanting to. And, and that is so much on the ballot, um, not only nationally, not only within our state, but with, with our cities. Um, and, and not only electing people, but it's the propositions. I mean, there's so many different components uh, to this November. And I know many of our listeners are, are from California. And so Brian and I wanted to highlight California Proposition 1. And I would like to read a, a portion of the ballot text um, uh, to start off. So here we go. It says, Constitutional right to reproductive freedom. Legislative constitutional amendment amends California Constitution to expressly include an individual's fundamental right to reproductive freedom. And I'll end there, but it goes on. But I just want to talk about the language, the language that it uses. Fundamental right to reproductive freedom. Now, I think we can all agree that that language is misleading. It's misleading because it's going to make people feel a certain way. 
and it's done that on purpose. Um, as we know, we have talked so much about thinking versus feeling. And when you read it, a person who doesn't have much of an opinion on this will feel a certain way and they're going to vote a certain way from the way that they felt while they read that. And that's why we need to do a couple things. One, emphasize the importance of thinking through what this ballot text says, what the consequences are going to be if this is uh, uh, voted yes on by a majority. And we also need to unite on two fronts. We need to unite within the church on this, um, and then we need to unite with the people who don't necessarily associate with the church, but we definitely need their help to defeat this. Um, because there are plenty of people out there who have a very secular viewpoint, but who also agree that abortion is wrong. So there are, that, that is a way we can defeat this, is uniting with those people as well. Um, and, and so we just need to do our job to think through this, not feel, and help others to do the same. Another thing that I wanted to mention during this, uh, this lightning round is something that I just read, uh, a, a report that came out 15 hours ago. And it says that the national debt has surpassed $31 trillion for the first time. And this is, one, astonishing, and two, not so surprising. <laughs> and what I mean is, if you, just, if you just read, and if you've been uh, up to date on the different policies and the different stimulus packages that have come out in the last two, two and a half years, this wouldn't be surprising. The trillions of dollars we have spent on the... On the uh, excuse me, the, the stimulus packages, the infrastructure, um, and, and you can go on and on. And next week, I will talk about the student loan forgiveness. That is not going to help this situation at all. And I guess my point is here that this, is not, this was not listed on our midterm essentials. However, this needs to be in the back of our mind for the future uh, because this way of running our country is not going to be sustainable. And it seems like, at least within definitely the past couple of years, that America has had such a knee-jerk reaction to things. Fix the problem now, but it's going to make it worse later. Pushing problems down the road, kicking the can. And that, again, is just not sustainable for a long-term successful America. And so this is just something to keep in mind for the future. I think the people that we are trying to elect are going to have a better outlook on this than the people who we are trying to beat uh, in general, I would say. I mean, I don't think that Republicans have done a tremendous job on this uh, of, of late, but our people who we are trying to elect, I think, will have, you know, obviously a better outlook than, than the Democrats because of the different viewpoints on student loan forgiveness, on stimulus packages, on spending in general are very different between the Republicans and the Democrats. And spending money, money you don't have, is going to cause us to go into debt more. That's just a simple fact. Um, so it, it's just something to keep in mind. So again, I want to restate the midterm emphasis. Um, 
on how we need to keep talking about it. It can't be something that we, oh, it's just another election. Well, it is just another election, but this election is consequential. Every election has consequences. And this one will certainly uh, prove that to be true. So just wanted to remind everybody, and I will hand things back off to Brian. I'm back to continue our discussion about, uh, is it 1935? or like 1935 for uh, America and the American church? Are there uh, things afoot that we need to be aware of and speak out against while we have the time, even though it may be very unpopular and may be somewhat uh, costly in terms of our, um, our, our work? But uh, that's a very important thing. So I want to turn to a, uh, a book called Letter to the American Church, uh, written by uh, Eric Metaxas. Uh, he has uh, become quite famous as an author and speaker. He's written uh, biographies uh, of of um, uh, Martin Luther and uh, also of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, and most importantly for this book, uh, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer found him uh, in the situation in his beloved home country of Germany as a as a Christian believer, and he was having to face seeing what was going on in his country politically and was able to connect the dots and, and realize that things were going to foot that were very much against uh, what the Bible said and uh, what the gospel says and just about what was going to be good for his country and felt the need to speak out about that. And, uh, and, and so he did. So he, Eric Metaxas talks about the story of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, how he sought to speak out and, and uh, put together what was called the Confessing Church in Germany. There were some other pastors that resonated with him, but there, uh, and, and so there are about maybe 3,000 German pastors that kind of got this and were trying to speak out against it. Well, as you can imagine, the Nazi regime didn't like that. And so there was kind of a propaganda war on. And so while 3,000 churches or pastors um, kind of went along with Bonhoeffer, there were, there were uh, over 12,000 churches and pastors that did not. They kind of were uh, like some people in the United States are saying today, that, oh, it's not that big a deal. There's, we want to try to get along with everybody and, and, and have things go. So that 12,000 uh, really made it difficult for the 3,000. Now, not all of those 12,000 knew what was going to be happening. And hopefully if they had understand and had understood that, they would have uh, acted differently, which many of them did after the fact that they survived the war and had the benefit of hindsight. But I think that really uh, begs the question for us today that if, if it in, indeed is 1935-like instead of 1939 or after-like, if, if, if things have not gone so far, that we as believers would really uh, hopefully take a very serious look at that. And hopefully if, uh, if we were in the same place as they were back in, in Germany, that we would want to side with the 3,000 instead of the 12,000. But when we look at the way things are out there in the church and the culture, there are a lot of the twelve of twelve thousand ideas about that. If we're right about what what critical theory and how it has spun off into so many of the institutions, how it is uh, uh, seeking to to undermine the uh, the, the the blessings that we have uh, in in America, 
if it's doing that, then uh, what we need to do to make sure that we are this time or uh, on on the as much as I don't like the, the the term the right side of history, I think it appropriately applies in this in this case to make sure that we are are doing that. So uh, I think Eric Metaxas makes a good case for this. I think there's a good case to be made for that. And I am finding myself as much as I want to go along and get along and, and try to, to do well and to, uh, to, uh, to own the, the, the baggage that there is, the, the downsides of the things that we have to, to lament in terms of America and the, the mistakes and the sins of us. I still have to look at those sins as the sins of America are things uh, that have happened going against our founding principles and against the scripture. Um, and not going in, in accordance with them. And so uh, I, I really hope that in our listeners, and as you get this out to people, that you'll take a long, hard look at what critical theory is all about. I'm connecting those, those dots because we can start thinking about some of the individual manifestations of that and not look up above at how insidiously evil critical theory is. And we have to shun that as a starting point for any kind of productive dialogue and have to present a better way uh, going forward. So I, I hope that you will uh, listen to these resources. There's a good resource of James Lindsay. There's a good uh, interview of Eric Metaxas um, on Charlie Kirk's program. And again, I just like to warn you, you don't have to agree with everything that these people say. You don't have to, to like their approach or even their tone or whatever. Um, but I would just really encourage you, look for the truth in this stuff. Look for the, the common denominators uh, of that and, and try to be aware. Also, as you look out there on the internet, like I did in my preparation, you're going to see all kinds of stuff being said about these people. Uh, the people on the other side, uh, I think it's a trait of, of this, of Marxist thought and leftist thought, is to try, try to destroy people. And, uh, and, and we, I, I think, really fairly, we don't want to try to destroy people. It's the ideas that we're trying to destroy. And of course, people are the ones espousing ideas. So we have to always look at that. But we don't have to just try to destroy people. We, we can look at the realm of the ideas and look at what the end, look at what the consequences are and really make a case for it from there. So uh, when I come back in the conclusion, we'll uh, talk about just a way of summing up. I'll have a quote from a taxis book. And um, uh, and then just kind of see where we want to go from there. So really try to be informed. Listen to these resources. If you don't like the people, listen to the guests. Uh, and uh, and like we pointed out a couple of broadcasts ago, a lot of these people, they're saying the same thing in, in a different way, packaged differently. But really try to get get through to what the truth is and try to f- embrace that on your own. Uh, and even if you might not like some of the tone. Tone's important. We want to try to be as loving and understanding as possible. But if it really is the kind of dire straits like we think it is, or like we're proposing that it is for us, and there still is time, I'm going to do what I can to go out there and let people know that the the house is burning, so to speak, or let them know that, yes, there is a war on and you're a combatant and there are sides to this war. And just like in any war, neither side is perfect. But to me, it seems like biblically uh, it aligns pretty well with one side over the other right now. So I want to try to make the case. I want to try to keep fighting the good fight. Try to be a happy warrior. We'll come back with a conclusion and put it all together.
conclude this episode about what year is it? And I hope it doesn't sound too corny for me to just offer this plea that, oh, my my dear Christian brothers and sisters, pastors, our listeners, and, and grateful Americans of all kinds and all uh, backgrounds and religious faith that, that love the liberty that uh, our country has afforded. What year is it like for us? Uh, if it truly is a 1935 type of situation, then that should dictate, and uh, that's kind of no pun intended given the subject that we're talking about, I suppose, but that should dictate a course of action for us. And so hence our, our podcast mission of informing and empowering you to take up your place in the good fight. And so I would just plead with you, if it if it's like that, uh, then ask yourself, what year and what time is it? Uh, and does the gravity of this situation demand a courageous and somewhat costly response to us if God calls us to that? And again, it's different for all of us. And yet really pray to the Lord to, to ask him to reveal to you what your place is. It. Who has God ordained for you to speak to and what issues into which to speak? And then what are the consequences for you and your loved ones and our whole world if you are wrong in your estimation of that? And I think that if you really think about it, if, if it's the kind of 1935 situation that we're proposing, then, then the consequences of us being wrong are devastating. If it's not, then I think the consequences are be, of our being wrong about it are far less devastating and much more benign. So you kind of uh, think about that for what it's worth. Please email us with any questions or issues uh, that, that you have. If this has gotten you thinking about stuff, if you'd like to talk about it more, uh, the Letter to the American Church book is like 20 bucks uh, in various places. If that's uh, if cost prohibitive to you, let me know, and I'll try to see what I can do about getting that into your hands. I really think it's a worthwhile uh, thing to listen to, and that these resources that are in our newsletter are worth really interacting with. So now here's the quote from Eric Metaxas's book, and he was just referring to the fact that um, that it's appropriately patriotic to want to uh, p- perhaps put our country's flag uh, in our church. And I, I view that as in our church as just a, a sign of gratitude for the kinds of, of freedom and religious freedom that the United States has offered to people of all faiths uh, and and not just uh, people of a Christian faith, but that uh, back then the uh, the the people of those twelve thousand churches uh, were encouraged to put the Nazi flag up in church to kind of talk about the uh, the the harmony that there was uh, trying to bring the church into lockstep with what the Nazis were trying to do. Um, so here is uh, what Eric Metaxas says. He says. They don't seem to know that the forces behind those banners, he's talking about the Nazi flag here, are only smiling at them in order to deceive them. As soon as they have the cultural and political power, they will show their decidedly atheist colors and will show very clearly what they think of such quaint Christian virtues as mercy and humility and love of one's enemies. This is too painful for many to imagine, so they simply look away and denounce those who would point such things out. And I think we can look at that other uh, banners being posted in some of our churches today, whether they're pride banners or Black Lives Matters banners, as much as we want to be understanding and love people, we want to hate sin, but not the sinner, we say. But uh, again, I want to do say part of the quote, 
that um, uh, the very soon those banners will show their decidedly atheist colors and will show very clearly what they think of such quaint Christian virtues as mercy and humility and love of one's enemies. It's too painful for many to imagine, so they simply look away and denounce those who would point such things out. So if it is that kind of thing, are you going to be one of the 12,000 or one of the 3,000? And then uh, let's work together on trying to read the times and respond accordingly according to the times. That's what we're trying to do. Goodfight71 at gmail.com. And uh, we'd love your input. And uh, God bless all of you. And uh, God bless us and give us clarity of thought in these very, um, very significant times. Take care, everybody. Goodbye. Thank you.